Well, good morning, everyone. I, su I suppose I should introduce myself. Um, who is this young junior pastor you have now? This intern, this uh, yeah, beginning person. If, if this is your first Sunday, you have no idea what is currently happening. Like, I understand that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. Yeah, I know. We're, we're all in mourning, okay? The beard is gone. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a time of mourning. Um, there, there is something, though, that we have discovered that Krista hates more than the beard. Shall we show a picture? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right? Like, it should, we should have kept it. Imagine all the joy you would have in seeing it all the time. But, uh, yes, um, Krista, it's not, it's, you don't have a mic. You're not allowed to talk at this moment. That's not a, yeah. Um, she uh, refused to be seen with me in public, um, but... So today, we're talking about agreeableness and compromise in relationships. That's what we're going to be talking about, okay? So that's like, as you can see, so if you don't know what's happening, I was growing a beard while my wife was uh, uh, no longer... That was almost... I almost did it again, um, who had moved away for school uh, for nine months. And uh, so during that time, I was growing a beard, and now that she's back, the beard is gone, and the mustache is also gone. So such is, thank goodness, she says. All right. So with that, uh, we do want to talk about today, actually, we're going to start a brand new series. And we are actually going to talk about relationships. And today, we are actually going to actually kind of tackle, like, agreeableness, compromise, all those kind of things that make marriages and relationships work. Uh, but today is the first day in our series, Spring Cleaning. And the whole idea is really this, that we want to do some spring cleaning in our lives, meaning just kind of this idea that we want to spruce them up, tidy them up, organize them a little bit. Because likely in the past, I don't know, like three or four days, you've maybe done something similar. That with the beautiful, gorgeous kind of weather, you might have like opened up your windows a little bit, spent more time outside, maybe had intentions of washing the car or something like that, right? That this is the time of the year where we actually do some spring cleaning, where we organize some of the junk that has accumulated over the kind of like winter and fall season. And so today, we want to kind of start off looking at our relationships in that way. How can we actually do some spring cleaning on them? So in this series, we're going to be looking at four different things. We're going to be looking at our relationships. We're going to be looking at how we can improve them. Today, as I said, we'll talk about agreeableness. Next week, we're going to talk about responsibility. That if you do these two things, every single relationship you have will get better. Okay? They just will. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to talk also about finances, about how to live with generosity, not with grasping. We're going to talk about practical ways to improve your finances. We're also going to be taking a look at our spiritual lives. What kind of junk have we accumulated that we just need to get rid of? Okay? And then last, we're going to take a look at our mental lives and think through how should we be thinking, even biblically, to make sure that we have good and strong mental health. These are the four areas we're going to cover in this series. Uh, relationships, finances, um, our mental lives, and our uh, spiritual lives. And I think this will matter for each and every one of us, because whether today you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether you've been following him for decades or just days, I think we could all do to actually improve these four areas, right? That if... If through coming through this and learning together, you can have better finances, relationships, uh, connections with Jesus and mental health, that's worth exploring, amen? Right? I think we can all do with that. 
So that's what we want to take a look at for this series. But I want to be upfront with something, that this series is going to be a little bit different than some, that this series is going to be intentionally personal, practical, and applicable. It's not going to be so much about learning new ideas, although I'm sure we will learn new things here together, but really about discovering some new practices, some new habits, some new rhythms to shape our lives in new directions so that all of our lives might be healthier, more whole, and even more holy. That's the focus for the series, to do a little spring cleaning so our lives might get a little bit better. And I want to be kind of upfront with this as well. Now for this series, we're really going to be exploring really what's called like biblical wisdom, okay? And biblical wisdom is incredible and it's important, but I want to be clear with this. The depth of biblical wisdom is not found in hearing it, but in living it out, okay? And that's really important, that the depth of biblical wisdom is not really found just in hearing a verse, but it's actually when you try to apply it to your lives. So for this series especially, what we will be doing and what really matters is not just coming together, but then how we live every day of the week. So through this series, I'm going to be sharing with you really personal and practical things so that, like tomorrow, things might be better and different for you. Because that's where we're really going to discover the depth of the Bible's teaching is when we start to apply it to our lives and seek to live it out. Not just to hear it, but to be obedient to it. Okay, so that's kind of the shape of the series. And as I said, today we're going to talk about relationships and how to have better relationships. Because I think this is true for all of us, okay? that relationships can be the source of some of our greatest encouragement and strength and hope, and relationships can also be the source of some of our biggest difficulty, challenge, obstacles, and drains. Who wants to say amen that both those two things are true, right? They can be this place where you feel like hopeful, but also where you're like, ugh, this is just really difficult. So I want to take a look at how you can actually improve your relationships. And by relationships, I mean like all of them. Your, you know, uh, relationships with your spouse, perhaps. Perhaps shaving a beard or a mustache might have improved it, right? Those sort of things, right? Uh, how your relationship with your spouse, your coworkers, your neighbors, like your classmates, all of that. I want to take a look at that. And today I'm going to give you one trait, as I said, that if we practice it, it will make your relationships better. And that trait is called agreeableness. So I want to talk about this here today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to define for you agreeableness, and I'm going to describe it to you practically, and then we're going to explore it biblically, okay? So we're going to define, describe, and explore it. So first, the definition of agreeableness, okay? As defined by Wikipedia, which cannot be wrong, okay? We read this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. Agreeableness is a personality trait manifesting itself in individual behavioral characteristics that are perceived as kind, sympathetic, cooperative, warm, frank, and considerate. And what I want to suggest to you today is that agreeableness is an absolute necessity for your relationships to thrive. It really is. That what agreeableness does, what agreeableness does is it's actually kind of like, I don't know, like engine oil for your relationships. That without it, your relationships will seize and freeze. Meaning that when we choose to not behave with agreeableness and harmony and seeking peace, what ends up happening is our relationships become full of friction, tension, and division. Okay? That agreeableness is something we all need. Now, when it comes to our personalities, actually, psychologists like to describe our personalities and sometimes what is called the big five, okay? And one of them is agreeableness. I'll explain them to you kind of briefly. So the big five in terms of our personalities, that kind of people can be described along these different spectrums. You can be high or low. The first one is called extroversion, okay? That someone can be described as whether being high on extroversion or low on extroversion. This is really about how much you want to engage out in the world, right? 
And so there are obviously extroverts who score very high, and there are introverts who score very low on this. And in general, I think this is also obvious, that introverts are better in general, okay? Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna get a strong reaction from that from introverts, because we don't do that. <laughs> but, but we know, right? There's, that's not true, but I kind of think it is. Okay, moving on. Um, so there's extroversion. There's openness to experience, that people can be kind of seen along a sliding scale of really high to this or low to this. That if you're open to experience, you probably love like adventure and excitement and trying new things. If you're low on it, you might enjoy more structure and stability, which means if you're trying to choose a restaurant to go to, you might prefer your favorite restaurant than trying something new. Okay? So there's extroversion, there's openness to experience, there's neuroticism, which is the tendency to express a more negative emotions like anxiety, anger, or depression. Fourthly, there's conscientiousness. And this is what we'll explore next week. This is a tendency to display self-discipline and to act dutifully, and it's really about how we control our emotions and regulate our desires, and it's about acting with responsibility. So we're gonna explore that next week, because if you can act with responsibility and be someone who is kind, those two things will actually improve all of your relationships. And the last thing that you can be measured on is agreeableness. And agreeableness is someone's concern for social harmony and cohesion. That some people are high or low on the spectrum, and people who are high on the spectrum of agreeableness are generally considerate, kind, trusting, trustworthy, helpful, and willing to compromise. And what I want to share with you really is two things. That one, agreeableness is absolutely necessary for relationships to function. Because this is just true for you and it is for me. All of us, we can be honest with this, all of us have junk within our lives, correct? Like none of us are perfect. So when we have relationships then, there's gonna be tension, there's gonna be friction. Agreeableness allows us to ride out some of those ups and downs, okay? So agreeableness is really necessary for relationships to be sustained and to be healthy. I also wanna to suggest to you this, although I have no stats on it, but I mean, I doubt you'll disagree with me, and if you do disagree with me over this, it just means you're low on agreeableness. That's probably how that works. Yeah, see what I did there? Uh -huh. yeah. okay. The second thing I want to share with you is that I think in our world, in our day and age, most lately, is that agreeableness is on a decline. It's like we just can't seem to get along with people. And I think it's really harmful to our society, and I think it's needed for us to have agreeableness. And I mean, you can see it like online, you can see it in people's interactions, in like workspaces, in like schools, in churches even that people's ability to just be able to get along seems to be kind of low. So I want to explore this today. I want to explore how we can grow in this. But before we dive into the biblical reasons for why, if you're a Christian, agreeableness isn't like a good idea, it's an expectation, I want to share with you actually some personal examples of what it might look like if you are low in this kind of agreeableness scale. I'll give you some personal examples of what it might look like. I'll give you three, okay? So let's say, let's say, hypothetically, Hypothetically, you're at a family gathering. Maybe it's Easter, okay? And you're with like, uh, you can't start laughing yet. Um, uh, maybe it's like Easter. And you're at, like, you're talking with a cousin, okay? And you're just talking, and it's just small talk over, like, taco dip, okay? And all of a sudden, you casually bring up a podcast, a book, or a YouTube thing that you've been watching just casually that you've been enjoying. And all of a sudden, your cousin goes from, like, zero to 60, and they're like angry, they're like aggressive, they're like ready to get into some conflict and a fight because they think this podcast, this book, or this YouTuber is like apparently the source of all evil in the world and that this is where it's all going downhill. And they wanna have this like argument right there around taco dip. 
You thought you were having small talk, and now it seems like you're in a debate for, I don't know, the health of the whole world. That's kind of what it feels like. Anybody ever all of a sudden found yourself in a weird debate you were not expecting or looking for? Right? Okay, that's example number one. Example number two. Let's say maybe you're just at work. You're just talking with a coworker, and you're just sharing with them. It's at lunchtime. And you're sharing with them some of the things you're hoping for for the future. And you're just talking about some of the dreams, some of the goals. Maybe it's, maybe it's like a side thing you're going to start up. Maybe it's something you want to try. Maybe it's something new. And as you start to share this with them, they all of a sudden become like the biggest critic. They start sharing with you all the reasons why it won't work, why it's been done before, why this is a useless waste of time. And you maybe think to yourself, like, I wasn't presenting a business proposal. I was just trying to share with you what I was interested in. And you feel really deflated. Third example. Third example. Let's say maybe you're in a marriage. And the marriage is a little bit rocky. It's been a little bit rough. And work has been really rough as well. Right? And so you've been at work and it's been really, really hard. And you come home from a hard kind of day at work where things haven't gone great. And your spouse has been home. And the moment you walk in the door, your spouse just kind of unloads all the stuff they've been ruminating on like instantly. And you kind of think to yourself, I think I might go back to work. That's what you think to yourself. These are all real life, practical examples of what it can look like when somebody is low on agreeableness. That first, when someone is low on agreeableness, often what it results in is unnecessary conflict around taco dip at family gatherings or whatever, okay? It can result in just unnecessary, unnecessary conflict. You know what else it can actually re result in? Ja a lack of genuine care and curiosity about someone else. That's an example of sitting with your coworker at lunch. Right? You're just trying to share, and they're not even being curious or even caring. That's what a lack of agreeableness can look like. You know what else it can look like? It can look like choosing the wrong times to have conversations. That's what a lack of agreeableness can look like. Because this is just true. When someone wor first walks in the door, it's never the right time to have an argument, like, ever. Right? It doesn't help, actually. So today, I want to take a look at, then, if these are some of the real-life things that you might have be able to kind of relate to, what does the Bible say? And then how can we live and practice things differently? That's going to be our real lens. So uh, what I want to do uh, to begin with is I want to share with you what the Bible thinks about this topic. And I'm going to be clear with this and upfront. We are going to go through a lot of verses in a short amount of time. Okay? So, so much so, like you won't be able to flip along with your Bible. But what I want to give to you is a sense of how often, how prevalent, and how dominant the theme of Christians acting with harmony, with peace, with consideration, with kindness, and with love to one another comes up in the New Testament. So I'm going to share with you a number of verses, but just so we're clear, these aren't all the verses that we could share. I'm not sharing any from the Old Testament, and actually it's not even all the ones from the New Testament. It's just to give us a sense of what does the Bible then say about this reality that I'm sure you've experienced and that I've experienced. Okay? So I'm going to read to them to you. We read this. John, and they're from all sorts of different books, just to make sure we kind of get an idea that it's throughout the New Testament. Here's some of what the New Testament teaches on agreeableness and kindness and consideration. John 13, 34. Love one another. Anyone want to say amen to that? Amen. We should, because that's like the center of Christianity. Yes. It's actually like the center of what we are called to do. Love one another. But listen to this verse in Romans 12. Romans 12.10, love each other with genuine affection. Again, Romans 12.10, verse B, though, take delight in honoring each other. Listen to this verse in Romans 12, verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. 
and don't think you know it all. Would that not be a good verse for everyone on the internet to follow all the time? Right? Don't think you know it all. Pursue harmony with one another. Right? Don't think you know it all. Don't be better than other people. Don't do that kind of stuff. Live in harmony with, other, with each other. Romans 14, verse 19. So then, let us aim at harmony and try to build each other up. What if we took that verse really seriously as Christians? What if we just let that actually define how we act with one another? Like, look at how clear Paul is. So then, let us aim for harmony. That's the bullseye of discipleship. Let us aim for harmony and try to build each other up. Or in 1 Thessalonians, so we encourage each other and build each other up, right? Or in Romans 15, 5, live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Would that maybe not have been great if Christians practiced that in the past three or four years? And just, just read it. Listen to what Paul says as the bar of discipleship. Live in complete harmony with each other. Why? Because it is fitting. It's right. This is how Christians are called to behave and interact with one another. Like the scripture, honestly, just couldn't be clearer with this stuff. Listen to this. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Use your freedom. This is Galatians. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Right? Freedom isn't for ourselves. It's for us to serve each other. Listen to this, Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens. Ephesians 4, verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. This is the picture of what Christian community is called to look like, actually. This is how Paul describes it. Listen to this, always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. Not like sometimes, not when you feel like it, not when you think the other person deserves it, right? But be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Listen to this. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind to one another. Sometimes, and we're wrong with this, sometimes we think kindness is a weakness. I want to be clear with this. Kindness looks like Christ, and it's our calling, actually. It's not a weakness. It's actually what we're called to do. It's actually also, heads up, it's a fruit of the Spirit, too. Right? It actually happens when the Spirit works within us. Right? So be kind to each other. Or listen to this, Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Or submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. Or in 1 Peter, Peter says this. All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Or Philippians 2 verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And I know, I know that's a lot of verses, but I think we can kind of get the theme with this, right? Is that living with consideration, with agreeableness, with pursuing peace and compassion and kindness for others, this is the mark of Christianity. This is what we are called to do. Or to put it differently, if you want to know if someone is actually a mature follower of Christ, do you want to know how you know? It is whether they consistently practice kindness, compassion, working for peace and agreeableness. That's the bar, and that's kind of the standard of Christianity. We've gotten it wrong in the West. We think that real, true people are people who just tell the truth and don't seem to care about other people's feelings or whatever. That is not what Christian discipleship looks like whatsoever. Do you want to know what Christian discipleship really looks like? It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anybody know what I just read there? Fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. I actually think that that's the mark of maturity, is when you display that fruit that has been grown in you because of the Spirit's work within you. That's how you know if somebody's actually a true follower of Christ in terms of maturity, right? It's not whether they can quote Bible verses. It's whether that is seen. Because sometimes there are people who perhaps are following Jesus, but behind them comes complaint and criticism and division and drama all the time. And no matter how many Bible verses they might know, that isn't what maturity looks like. That maturity looks like kindness, compassion, self-control, and gentleness. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. So in reading all these verses, I think hopefully two things can be clear. Okay, two things can be clear. That first, that agreeableness, kindness, compassion, gentleness, harmony, all of this, this is the expectation of the Christian life and what Christian holiness looks like. Amen? Amen. It does. Right? According to the Bible, this is what Christian holiness looks like, actually. So what I think we know is that this is how we are called to live as Christians. Because of Christ living in us, this is how we are called to follow him. This is what it's supposed to be like. What I think we also know from this passage, or from all of those passages, is that it is ridiculously hard to actually live out this way. Okay? Because it would not be mentioned this much if everybody was doing it back then. Right? But the fact that Paul, Peter, and virtually every writer of the New Testament needs to mention it means that both we are called to do it and it's hard. Those two things can be true at once. Okay? So I want to talk then about how do we actually live this out. So I'm going to give you three different ways. Three different ways to kind of grow in this area of agreeableness. Because like I said, you can be low in it or you can be high in it. Be All of us can grow in it. So I'm going to give you three practical ways. Because as I said, this is going to be like practical and personal. And I hope it can make a difference on like, you know, tomorrow morning in meetings that you might have or whatever. So I'm going to give you three ideas for how you can grow in this. Letting things go asking more questions, and choosing the right time for conversations, okay? So first, so first, letting things go. What I want to suggest to you is that if you want to grow in agreeableness and harmony and working for peace, there is one radical thing that you can do that is really hard, it takes a lot of self-discipline, and it takes a lot of work, but it's really important to do. That did you know, if you come across both someone or something you disagree with, did you know, you can just let that thing go, actually, You do not actually need to engage in every post, conversation, or position that you disagree with. You know, you can actually just let some things go, and that's okay. That's actually a sign of actual Christian maturity, is to discern when you can just let some things go. So to give you a practical example, okay, and our extended family, probably much like yours, in our extended family, we have people who have lots of views on every topic imaginable. We would have people in the far extremes on many different things, okay? So you can imagine at a family gathering where I might be at, you know, perhaps eating taco dip, okay? (laughs) That there may be views that I would hear that I would agree with, and there may be views that I would hear that I would disagree with. So you want to know what I do when I hear a view? I'm like, oh, I don't like that. That's not where I'm at. You You know what I do when I hear those things? Yeah, that's it. I just keep eating my taco dip. That is it. That is it. That's all I do. That's all I do. Why? 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 Because, you know, like, in some ways, you might think that that is weak and timid. It is not, actually. I have no problem with engaging and addressing things. What I do know is that Paul speaks very, very clearly to this. He says this, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's Romans 12, 18. I just take that verse incredibly seriously, which means for me at family gatherings, 
I don't need to engage in every fruitless and kind of useless conversation. I don't need to engage in every potential conflict. That not every conversation needs to be a debate. Not every opinion really needs to be addressed. And not every thought needs to be countered. Because if you engage in this way, do you know what you end up doing? You end up turning relationships into battlegrounds. And that'll ruin them. Right? So you don't need to do this. You can actually just work for peace. And I know some people think that this is kind of like weak or timid. Let me just say this. There is nothing weak or timid about working for peace in relationships. It requires strength. It requires discernment. It requires maturity. It's hard work. And it's needed and it's necessary. You might say, but this is like, I don't know, impossible to actually do. I want to remind you. I want to remind you who Paul is writing to in Romans. We spent six weeks exploring the book of Romans, right? In Romans, you know who Paul is writing to? He is writing to a church that is being oppressed and persecuted by the government, okay? He is also writing to a church where there are two dominant factions. There's one that's more moralistic and there's one that's more progressive. They have very different ideas on what it looks like to follow Christ. On top of that, this church has many different ethnicities, backgrounds, customs, and cultures. And yet, in spite of all of that, what does Paul tell them? Work for peace with everyone, with everyone with everyone. This is what it looks like to follow Christ, which means that there are some times where you encounter someone in a position or a thought, you can just, you can just let it go, okay? So that's the first thing I want to suggest to you, that Christian maturity often looks like discerning the right times just to let something go. You can actually just keep scrolling on your phone. You don't need to post and re, you know, comment or whatever it might be, okay? Second thing, not only do you need to let things go, second thing you can actually do practically is actually to ask more questions. I think we have a habit I think we have a habit of stating positions and then not listening. I actually think we can just ask more questions. That curiosity, curiosity actually is tied to agreeableness. That the more curious you are, the likely the more willing you are to actually try to understand someone's position. And I think we should just be more willing to ask questions. Okay? I'll give you an example of this. I'll give you an example of this. At one of these family gatherings we were at, um, someone came up to me who I've known for quite a while. Uh, they came up to me and they started to tell me uh, about how bad every church in the world is, okay? Uh, they started to tell me how every church is corrupt, how honestly, like, all churches do is harm people, that there should be no churches, and, like, they just kind of went, you know, quite a bit off on churches. Um, of course, this is kind of ironic, because they were saying it to me, right? <laughs> knowing very well what I do for a job, knowing very well what I've given my life to, right? And they're kind of going into all this. Now, could I have then just kind of launched into something and give them all the sociological reasons why we need more churches and not less? How if churches are removed, actually there's gonna be a huge gaping social hole? Could I share with how our church is different than the ones they were thinking of? Yeah, I could have done all that. But instead I just asked questions. I didn't need to state my positions. We don't always need to be upfront with that or to just lead with that in every situation. I asked questions. I said, why do you think that? Has something gone on? Have you had some experience that's led you to that? I just listened and listened and listened. And then they were more interested in what I had to say. And through this, we had a conversation where at the end, they said, if I lived in your area, I might even go to your church. <laughs> I was like, great, great, great. Do you want to know where I learned the habit of asking questions? Jesus. Jesus, actually. Jesus. You should, well, you should go read the Gospels, but if you, like, read all of them, okay? But if you read the Gospels, what you will notice is that Jesus consistently responds to statements with questions. Statements with questions. Especially even positions he disagrees with. He'd then say, well, how, how do you read it? What's your take on this? What do you think? 
What is your answer? Jesus consistently asks questions. If you read the Gospels, he actually asks over 100 different questions. I think we are just far too quick to state our positions without listening. But this is true. Questions have the opportunity to bring us together because they increase understanding. Positions will just create debate and division. If you want better relationships, learn to let some things go and then to ask some deeper questions. What's going on? You know, share with me more about this. We don't always need to be defensive and aggressive. We can actually just ask some questions. Thirdly, thirdly, what I want to invite you to do is to actually choose the right time for conversations, okay? To choose the right time for conversations. And I think sometimes what ends up happening is we see something and we feel the need to address it. I want to be clear with this. To be an agreeable person does not mean you never address things. I'm not talking about that. It doesn't mean you don't live with boundaries. It doesn't mean that you're like a doormat or anything like that, okay? Because sometimes, honestly, there are things that need to be addressed. Sometimes someone says something and it's either harmful to others, harmful to themselves, or whatever. There are issues and topics and things that need to be addressed. To be an agreeable person doesn't mean you don't address difficult things. Follow with me. It changes how you address difficult things. Okay? It changes how you address difficult things. Let me give you an example of what this looked like practically um, in my life just recently. Okay? So practically in uh, my life this week, uh, not this week, but like over the past few months, uh, we were at a family gathering, and there, uh, there was a family member who around the kitchen table, as we were all kind of eating, whatever, they made a large announcement about the changes that were happening in their life. Okay? And as they shared this large announcement about their life, I thought to myself, this decision seems like the dumbest decision I have ever heard. <laughs> now, of course, I said that inwardly. I did not say that out loud. Right? But this is what I was thinking. I was like, this, this doesn't sound good. This sounds really bad. I think there's going to be real consequences to a lot of different things. I'm not sure this is the right direction. I looked around the table, and everybody else is like nodding and being like, oh, this sounds great. And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with all of you? Like, why are you not saying this? Right? So you want to know what I did? I threw my plate, got all of their attention, and then publicly berated this person. No, I did not. You're right, Marie. That's ridiculous. No, I didn't do that. You know what I did? I went home. <laughs> I just went home and I prayed about it, actually. I went home and I prayed about it. Because the number of issues that need to be addressed right in the moment when people are like kind of hot and there's a lot of emotions going on is actually much more rare than we think. So you know what I did? I went home and I prayed about it. And I started to get some work done within me because I know that I have junk, it's also another word for sin, within me. So I started to try to work through some things of like, you know, is there any anger? Is there any malice? Is there any bitterness there? Is there any desires for slander or to try to win arguments? I tried to rid myself first of all of that stuff before I made a decision on whether to address anything. And actually what I just shared with you right there, that's actually from the book of Ephesians where Paul says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I tried to get rid of all of that before I addressed anything. And then I thought to myself, this actually still does need to be addressed. So I started to work on my tone and my posture before I would even address something. I started to think through, what am I really concerned with? And how might I share that in a gentle way? Because gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. In fact, Proverbs says this. This is just true. If we all followed this, every one of our relationships would be better. Okay? A gentle word deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. That's true, isn't it? A gentle word deflects anger, but harsh words make temples flare. So I thought to myself then, I do need to kind of get ready for this conversation. And so instead then, I actually set up a time to talk with this person, and I share with them, hey, some of what you shared with me a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, or whatever it is, 
I said, hey, some of this stuff is still sitting quite heavy with me, and I'm just concerned because I care about you. And do you want to know what ended up happening? We talked for over an hour, and they shared with me, thank you, Andrew, for calling enough to have a hard conversation, because I hadn't even seen some of those things that you're bringing up. Right? I think this is a better way of dealing with things that need to be addressed, rather than kind of exploding. That what often happens is we let, follow with me, we let conflict choose the time for us to engage in a conversation rather than us choosing the best time for important conversations. I want to invite you, if something really matters, choose the right time to address it. Choose when you have time and space to address it. And make time to actually do the work first. To prepare, to pray, to plan, and then to have the conversation. The running joke in our family is that almost everyone has received one of these phone calls with me in the last 20 years. Because <laughs> for me, I'm like, this is the right way to practice it. Right? Rather than just kind of exploding, it, that won't help. But this is a way we can actually grow in agreeableness. So today, today, what is my main point? My main point is really simple today. Okay? It's just this. It's try to get along with people this week. That's my main point for you. I think it'll make all of our relationships better. Try to get along with people this week. And I know, in some ways, that sounds simple, and it almost sounds like, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood things, like I get that. <laughs> but really, though, this is the Bible. This is Scripture, and we need to take it seriously, right? Like, what does Paul say? Live in harmony with each other. He also says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ. I want to invite you to try to practice this this week. And I know it's simple, but remember what I said about biblical wisdom? The real depth of it is found not in hearing it, but in living it, in practicing it, and seeking to actually use this tomorrow when you have a difficult schoolmate, coworker, neighbor, whatever it is. And so practically, then how can you do this? I want to invite you to let some things go that are just unnecessary, to ask more questions over stating positions, and then thirdly, actually prepare, pray, and choose times for important conversations. Some things do need to be addressed, but we can still do that in a way that values like agreeableness and care and concern for other people. So I want to invite you to do. And I know that this will be difficult in a lot of ways. It'll require a lot of discernment and working out. That's why we actually have also here home churches or spaces where we come together and we actually try to work out the real nitty-gritty of practical relationships. Because sometimes, as I said at the very beginning, relationships can be the, sp the space for us to experience joy and they can also be the space of challenge. So this week, my challenge is really simple, to try to get along with people this week by letting things go, asking more questions, and preparing, praying, and choosing times for conversations. That's what I want to invite you to do this week. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here this morning? God, I pray, in whatever space or place we might be at, might we seek to live with harmony and with peace with those around us? I God, if, I God, I pray, if some of our relationships are truly difficult, I pray, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us discernment? Would you give us courage and strength to seek to actually live uh, pursuing peace? Would you help us to let things go, to ask more questions, and then to prepare for those difficult conversations we might need to have? I pray, God, as we just continue to follow you, follow you this week, would you be faithful to us, and might we be faithful to you? And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So to close, I want to invite you to stand, if you are able, for a closing benediction. I want to read to you simply Ephesians 4, verse 2. Let this just guide you as you go this week. We read this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. 
Might you show that to those around you this week? As always, if you have any need whatsoever, there are people in our prayer room off to my left. Next week, we're going to talk about responsibility, which is kind of the other side to this, to really make sure all of our relationships are really as strong as possible. And two last things before you go. If you'd like a home church guide or to sign up for a home church, today is the right day to do that. Home churches are where we follow Jesus together. If you're new, talk to anybody on the blue shirt. And if you want to give, there's a give wall. But then other than that, we hope to see you all back here next week. And as always, grace and peace. Bye-bye.